0: Good morning. I'm Danny, and thank you for the opportunity to come and speak today. We are going to pass out some Bibles, so please raise your hands. We're going to be in Hebrews 11, verse 7. No further than that, just 7. And so, of course, you'll need to read along. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. And since it's such a short passage, we'll read it twice to take up a little extra time. (laughs) By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. Lord, and we thank you for the opportunity to be here and to listen to your word and to hear your word. Lord, I ask that you would uh, allow it to sink deep into our hearts, Lord, that we would not allow a story and an event that we've heard so often to just glaze over the top of us as if as if it's meaningless, but Lord, instead that we would allow every part of your word, not my words, not what we want to hear, Lord, but your word, come and hit us so that it causes repentance and that we would respond and turn towards you. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So, I'm going to... um, we're going to kind of talk through the story of Noah. And as, you know, as I was thinking through like what we would talk through, um, I thought I wouldn't have uh, enough to talk about. Uh, and I quickly found out that when I had 28 pages worth of notes, that that would not be the case. And so now I've kind of broken it down as, mu- as far as I could through prayer and looking through that. And I am not going to be able to hit everything by any stretch. And so I would encourage you to look through it. Uh, it's Genesis chapter 6. Um, but we're going to hit a portion of this. And the part that we're going to hit is that, is that I'm going to tell this story. I'm going to tell the story of Noah. And I want you guys to be thinking through and closing your eyes as often as possible to imagine what was happening because there is a present-day implication here. It's not an event that happened in the past that you can say, Oh, what a nice story. But it is an event that, an actual event that took place that we have a responsibility to today. And so, as, as tempting as it may be to say, oh, I know that story. I know that. I know what happens. I know the end. I know, th- I don't do that. But instead, walk through it with me, imagining what's going on because we have a responsibility to it. The responsibility, I want to tell you, the responsibility is that we have the the responsibility today is that we are to worship and obey in hopeful expectation of his return because he is the Lord of the storm. So as we go through the story, again, close your eyes as often as you can. And if you feel yourself nodding off, please open your eyes and work your way through that. So the story, titled, Living in Light of Christ's Return Through the Storm, starring God, supported by the writer of Hebrews and Noah, (laughs) and the world really for that matter. So let's do that. So the world, the world was a dark place. If you can think back before uh, and imagine what it was before the earth was created, as you guys have your eyes closed, it's dark and from what you can see because you're eyes are closed it's dark but the it's darker than what you're seeing because the lights are in this room and and they're illuminating what you what's outside of your eyelids and so it's darker than even what you're seeing now it is so dark and it's not because nothing was there it's because what was there was evil what was there was evil and so because of that darkness and some of the darkness that, that is described in there is, is that it was corrupt and that it was violent and that it was just evil. The things that you can think of, don't think of them, but they were evil. And so it's far greater and deeper than you could possibly imagine. It was evil. And because of that, the Lord said in, in, in diff, a difference, of what he'd said in the beginning. He said it was good, but now he says, I'm sorry that I did it. I'm sorry that creation exists. I'm sorry that this is the way that it is. I'm sad about it. And it's not that he was sorry in in such a way that creation was out of control, or that the creation was in a position that was so different than what he had foreseen it was exactly what he thought it was going to do it was exactly what he saw it doing but he was because he's a god of compassion and he's a god of love he's a god that cares he's connected to us and he was sad and so because of this he said no more i am done we are done creation is no longer good, it is evil, and I'm going to destroy it all. And so he set out to do so. And this again was his plan from the beginning. He knew this was going to happen, and so he sets out to do so. He says, I'm going to destroy the whole world and everything in it with a flood. But there's one person, one person who I'm pleased with, and because of this one person, I'm not only going to save him, I'm going to save him and his whole household. And, not, and because of him, not only am I going to save him and his whole household, I'm also going to save some of the animals too, so that when he comes out of the plan I have for him, it's not just desolate. There's nothing there, but he instead will have something. And I'm going to save even a little bit more because I know it is in him to worship. And so I want him to be able to worship me. And so I'm going to save a little bit more so that he is able and ready and willing to do that. And that person's name was Noah. And so Noah, being a man that lived some 900 years, the Bible describes him as faithful and blameless in all of his generations, which generation at that time was a very long time. If, we were, if one of us was described as faithful and blameless in our generation, it would be absolutely remarkable. Now take that and imagine that you lived nine times longer. And take that and imagine that not only did you live nine times longer, but you were the only person in the whole world that was not evil in everything that he did or thought or intended. And Noah was this person. The Bible describes him as righteous in many ways. That does not mean he was blameless. That just means that he was righteous. And because of his worship and because of his obedience to God's commands, out of the faithfulness that he believed, he was deemed as righteous. And so Noah was commanded to build this ark. Okay, and an ark, for many of you um, that grew up like I did in the church or, or have heard the story or saw there on TV, it appears to be some sort of boat, okay? The description in the scripture is not a boat, but it is more similar to a giant shoebox that Noah got his sandals from, probably. And so he, this giant shoebox that Noah was commanded to make could not steer. It could only float. He couldn't go sightseeing. He couldn't move this direction or that direction. He was completely at the mercy of the vessel that God asked him to make. And so God said, make this vessel, but don't only make it, but cover it with oil and tar as a type of atonement, as a type of saving um, that would go over it, that would keep it afloat. And I want you to cover it inside and out, that you would be covered So that when this coming destruction occurs, you will be saved. So Noah did, as a holy act of worship, he obeyed God's command and he believed. And so Noah obeyed the commands to build the ark. He obeyed the command to collect food and collect the animals. And Noah obeyed by going into the ark. And Noah obeyed out of faith all these things. And it's not the obedience that made him righteous, but it is instead the, the fact that he believed and obeyed God that made him, that God deemed him as righteous. It wasn't him. It was God through and through. And so God had Noah build this ark and this ark that Noah built, you know, through ridicule, the world looked upon what he was doing and said, man, you are building this box that you can't steer, that you can't move, that you can't even close the door by yourself, you're going to build this. Why? And you're going to go into it with all of these animals that, that that's just unbelievable. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense to do that. And he says, because God commanded me to, I will obey and believe. And so he did. Now, Noah, in this time, whether he preached beyond just his actions or not, we don't know. But at very least, his actions declared that the, de- coming, the coming of the Lord's destruction, the coming of the Lord was happening. And the world, as far as we know, denied every part of it. As far as we know, for, the, for Noah's active ministry of approximately 120 years, you don't have one person Who believed? Not one. Not one. And yet, did his faith, did he doubt maybe? Did he ever act out of that doubt? Not that we know of. But instead, out of faithful obedience, he obeyed. Out of the faithfulness that God had given him, he worshiped and obeyed. And so, the flood comes. And Noah comes into the ark. And God closes the door because the door he made wasn't, he wasn't able to close. And so God closes the door and He shut into this with these animals and with this and he's completely at the mercy of the storm around him. And I'm telling you, there is a, there is a large chance that as this is happening, he hears the voices of the people that he was preaching to outside. Now... I want to end the story here for a second. Not because the story ends here, many of you know where the story ends and I'll get there, but I want to end it because <clears throat> I want to end it because I want us to sit in this fact. I want us to sit in the fact that that we have an obligation to this story today. Not that and I keep calling it a story and I shouldn't call it a story, we have an obligation to this event that happened in the history. This isn't, some, this, the thing that you want to do, the thing that you're tempted to do is to sit there and say, I know the story. I know where it where it is in the, the Bible. I know possibly historical evidence. I know all these things. And so I want to just sit comfortably and not acknowledge the fact that I have an obligation to this today. That's what I want to do. I know that's what you want to do. I know that's the temptation. But we have to resist that temptation, and we move to the result of the story. Noah completed the ark. He gets carried up in this flood. He's floating there, unable to close the door, unable to really probably control these animals in any way, and he's floating there. And then the rains subside. It says 40 days and 40 nights. But the flood remained. And it says in the scripture that God remembered Noah. Now, God isn't forgetful by any means, but, the, but I think what you hear in this is that Noah, after the flood has occurred, in this shoebox, with all of these animals, is still at the mercy in the hands of the living God. And so God remembered him and he... Allowed the the flood to subside, and it floated, the box floated down, and that was, that was the the end of that part. And so, excuse me, so then what happens is that Noah coming out of the ark, first thing he does is he worships. He builds an, an altar and he worships. And out of that continued faithful obedience, he worships. And so, and what God does is God promises, God promises that I will never again destroy the world with a flood. And so, we see this, and, um, and I'm, I'm going to read this. This is a, a section of uh, my son's Bible, and it's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And so, I'm going to read this part here. The first thing Noah did was thank God for rescuing them. Just as he had promised. And the first thing God did was to make another promise. I won't destroy the world again with a flood. And like a warrior who pulls or puts his, away his bow and arrow at the end of a great battle. And there in the clouds, just where the storm meets the sun, was a beautiful bow of light. It wasn't long before everything went wrong again. But God wasn't surprised. He knew that would happen, and that's why before the beginning of time, he had another plan, a better plan, a plan not to destroy the world but to rescue it, a plan to one day send his own son, the Rescuer, and God's strong anger against hate, sadness, and death would come down once more, not on his people and not on the world, no God's war bow was not pointed down at his people, but it was pointed up into the very heart of heaven. Jesus Christ came and he gave himself for us. And God's wrath came down on him. And because of that, when we are in relationship with Christ, we are among, if you think about this, we are the among the Noah's family Noah was righteous. He wasn't blameless. He wasn't Jesus Christ. Noah was righteous. And because of Noah's righteousness, his family was saved. And when we are in relationship with Jesus Christ, we partake in that righteousness. We are saved by his righteousness. God's wrath is fulfilled and his mercy is fulfilled. In Jesus Christ. So what do we do today? I'm going to tell you. We worship and obey by believing in the Lord of the storm. The scripture talks to us about what our obligation to Noah's event is. And I wrestled about whether or not to read it or not. And I didn't want to. But I think I have to. And so in 2 Peter 3, 1-9... through you guys can turn there. 1 through 9. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 9. As you guys are turning there, I'm going to read this quote from Spurgeon. And this is our obligation to... It's, Spurgeon is... This quote is addressing what our obligation to the scripture is as a whole and Noah's story. <coughs> Excuse me, Noah's event. Spurgeon says pertaining to the scripture, faith is the exercise about the commandments. If you truly believe a man, you believe all that he says. He who does not believe in God, will he who does not believe that God will punish sin will not believe that God will also pardon sin through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. He who does not believe that God will cast unbelievers into hell will not also believe that he will save believers into heaven. Sincere faith in God must treat all of God's word alike. And for the faith which accepts one word, Of God and rejects another is evidently not faith in God at all, but it is instead faith in your own judgment. I'm going to read that again. Sincere faith in God must treat all of God's word alike. For the faith which accepts one word of God and rejects another is evidently not faith in God at all, but it is instead faith in your own judgment. Only that which is true faith believes everything that is revealed by the Holy Spirit whether it be joyous or whether it be distressing. Noah had, in this case, received a promise. Noah had, in this case, received a promise. By Noah had, in this case, received a promise. But as the dark background of it, he had listened to the terrible threatening that God would destroy all living things with the flood. His faith believed both the warning and the promise. If he had not believed the threat, he would not have prepared the ark. And so would not have received the promise. Men do not prepare, people do not prepare an ark to escape a flood that they don't believe will happen. So as we read Second Peter here, believe it. Second Peter 3, 1 through 9. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and commandments of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the very beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God and that by these means, by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth are now, that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But do not overlook this fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Guys, our obligation to this passage, to this scripture to Noah's event our obligation to it is to believe and obey guys Jesus Christ is coming he is coming we know that there is a chance there is a probability that it will happen before I finish today okay so what is your obligation are you living in light of that what are you doing where are you holding on to the things and say, man, I really want this to happen, or I really want this to happen, or the Lord isn't going to come. We've been saying that for a long time now. Yeah, we have, which means we're that much closer. I don't say this to discourage you. I don't just say this to discourage that you that there is a storm, but that there is a promise through the storm, and the promise is to know God forever. He will return. The promise is not that you will have prosperity in this life, though that may come. We must worship and obey him either way. The promise is that we, would not, that we would have success in life, though that may come. We must worship and obey either way. The promise is not that we would have restored relationships, though that may come. We have to worship and obey either way. The promise is not that you'll see results of this thing or that thing that you'll see anything. But we have to worship and obey anyway. And in doing so, is the evidence that we believe. (sighs) Guys, worship and obey the Lord and believe that He is coming because He is the Lord of the storm and He is faithful. Guys, as as we invite the band back up here, I want to invite you into this, okay? I want to invite you into a prayer time as they're playing that you would be praying and you would ask the Lord, Lord, in what way am I living as though you will never come? In what way am I a scoffer of your return? In what way do I hold on to the thing that I want to do or I want to see the result of this or I want to see the result of that and I'm not living in faith believing that you will return, you are good, that you are in control of everything. In what way do I not have the urgency to see my neighbor saved from destruction? I invite you in this time of prayer. Lord Jesus, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me for the times that I don't live as though you're going to come back? Lord, that I don't live as though you've already come the way you said you would. Lord, that I hold on to this thing or that thing. That I want to see the result of this or that. That I don't have an urgency to see my neighbor come to know you? Lord, forgive me. Forgive us for not living that way. Lord, and let the, the event of Noah stick in our minds as a song that is on repeat that we can't get out of our minds. Let it stick in our minds as an event that tells us that we have an obligation to the promise of your return. Let us live, help us live, submitted to you, Lord, because we know it is only by you that we have faith and that we live by faith, but we must live submitted to you. Help us to worship and obey out of the belief and faith that we have. In you. Your holy name.